Have you ever been surprised before? Maybe at Christmas or at your birthday at a gift that was given to you. Maybe you've been surprised at something that's happened to you. Maybe a car accident or maybe uh, something else that's happened in your life. Maybe you've been surprised by something that someone has done to you or said to you. We all have been surprised by different things in our lives, sometimes good and sometimes bad. It's been a number of years ago, but Suzanne and I were living in Williamston at the time, and this time we both got surprised. Uh, I had come home, and Suzanne was in the backyard throwing the ball with our dog Lucy, who's now passed on. And uh, I pulled up in the yard after work. I, I turned the car off. I shut the door, and I walk around the side of the house. And uh, apparently I surprised Suzanne because she went to screaming. And then I got surprised because she threw the ball not at the dog but at me. <laughs> we both got a surprise that day. Um, Man, we all have been surprised, and sometimes surprises are good, sometimes they're not so good. A couple of years back, there was a Canadian airline called WestJet who surprised their passengers around Christmas. As the passengers were getting ready to board their flight, they had this kind of booth set up where they had a camera and the, the passengers could go in and tell, tell them what they wanted for Christmas. And what the passengers didn't know is that after they told the camera what they wanted for Christmas, WestJet actually, as they boarded and as they flew to their next destination, went out and bought all of the gifts that those passengers wanted. And here is the results of it. never expected what they'd asked of St. Nick would actually appear. It was all quite a trick. A Westjetter would say it was more than mere fun. Miracles do happen when we all work as one. We'll get Needless to say, they were surprised. I was kind of hoping showing a Christmas video that might feel a little bit cooler. Did it help anybody? No. Man. They were surprised, but not all surprises are good, are they? It must have come as a surprise to the early followers of Jesus to find out that not only is Jesus the Messiah and that he had risen from the dead, but even though he is the King of Kings and that he had risen from the dead, 
it must have been a surprise to them to find out that they still had to suffer for his name. They still had to suffer for his name. They were surprised at their sufferings. You see, many of the Jewish people at this time, they believed that the Messiah was going to come and that he was going to overthrow Rome and set them free from the occupation that they were in. They would have an earthly conquering king. But Jesus told us in John 15 that if he suffered persecutions, that we should expect the same. Now, these early Christians are facing suffering and persecution and even death for the name of Jesus. We've seen that through Peter's letter. Well, today, Peter is going to tell us that we should not be surprised by the sufferings that we face for the name of Jesus. We should not be caught off guard. And if we want to make sure that we're not caught off guard by the sufferings that we will face for the name of Jesus, we must learn to prepare for these sufferings that are to come. And it starts with us learning to rejoice in the face of sufferings. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me over to 1 Peter chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table. Please take one as a gift from us to you. We'd love to give you a copy of God's Word. And if you're looking for 1 Peter, it's at, almost at the very end of your Bible. It comes right after James and right before 2 Peter. Uh, if you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. If you're in Hebrews, you're not far enough, so keep going. First uh, Peter chapter 4, and we're going to start there in verse 12. We'll also have it up here on the screen if you will read along with me. Peter says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed with his glory when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Now, it might seem as strange to us as it must have for these first believers in Jesus to find out that suffering was to be expected. To think of being insulted and persecuted because of the name of Jesus should bring us praise to God, should make us see it as a blessing. That may seem strange to us, and even more so to think of insults and persecutions as blessings. That sounds weird, doesn't it? But they are. In fact, here at Journey Church, we say that we follow the example of Jesus who sacrificed self for the, the needy and the hurting and the lost. And that we follow that example even if we have to suffer to care for others' needs over our own. We've seen throughout 1 Peter that if we are going to love others, that means that we are going to have to sacrifice for them. And that may even mean that we have to suffer to do good. And that may even mean that we have to suffer for the name 
of Jesus. But Peter says, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeals that you go through. He says, rejoice in suffering for the name of Jesus. And he gives us an example here of criminal suffering. He says, when criminals suffer for doing wrong, he says, in that case, that suffering highlights for all to see the shame of what they have done wrong. Now, in the same way, when we suffer and are persecuted, not because of being a a wrongdoer, but for doing what is right and for following the name of Jesus, it highlights not our shame, but it highlights for all to see the one who has transformed us and the one whom we are now living for. You see, our suffering for the name of Jesus highlights and it points people to Jesus himself. Our suffering for the name of Jesus connects us to the sufferings of Jesus. It just comes with the territory. Now, you can look all over the internet and TV and radio, and you can find preachers who will tell you that you are to live your best life now, that you aren't to suffer, and you're supposed to have health and wealth and prosperity. But friends, I I hate to tell you, what Jesus tells us is that if we follow him, we we can expect to suffer. Jesus doesn't promise to take away the pain and the heartache here and now. But he promises us joy in the midst of it. He promises us peace that transcends all understanding, even when that doesn't make any sense even when we are suffering, even when we are being persecuted, even when we are suffering in our body. He promises us peace that transcends all understanding. So Peter says, don't be surprised at your suffering for Jesus, but rather rejoice in your suffering. Friends, if we are going to face the suffering and persecution that we will face as followers of Jesus, then we first must learn to rejoice in suffering. And secondly, we need to remember who our judge is. You know, when we are suffering for the name of Jesus, when we are being persecuted or mistreated for the name of Jesus, oftentimes we mistakenly think that the one who is, is mistreating us or hurting us or persecuting us is our judge. But they're not. You see, our judge is our faithful creator, and we must remember that he is our judge. And we also must remember where judgment will start. Because when we face suffering for doing what is right, it may seem like there is no justice. It may seem like that justice is gone. But that's not true. Because our judge is just. He is the creator and the sustainer. He is righteous and holy. He is judge, judge and just. And so, when we face suffering, we must remember who are judges. And that's exactly what Peter tells us next. Verse 17 says, For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. 
And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? You know, from God's perspective, even the most holy, the most righteous person is still a person who is in need of saving. Because what Scripture tells us is that we all have sinned and fall short of God's expectations. And so we all, even if we think that we are good, need rescuing. Even the most holy of people need saving. Because we are all sinners. We are all weighed down with sin, and without the grace and mercy of God that has been shown to us through Jesus, we have no hope, no matter how good we or anybody else thinks that we may be. Without Jesus, we are lost. He is our only hope. Now, many times people have pointed to these verses to try to produce panic in people. The judgment is near. We need to fear the judgment is near or or to weigh down or to push people to shame. But I believe what Peter's point here is pointing us to this, that judgment is coming soon, should push us not to, to fear or to shame, but should push us to gratitude. Because the judgment is near. And our judge is not the one who is causing suffering to us, but our judge is God our faithful creator, God who loves us so much that even though we deserve to be eternally separated from him, gave his one and only son to give us his mercy and his grace through his death and resurrection. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus to rescue us from our burden to sin. And so, when we think about the judgment of God being near, it should cause us to be grateful to God that he is our judge. To be grateful for God that he is our savior. And to be grateful for God that he is the one who has has given us his mercy and his grace through the sacrifice of his son. You know, doing good becomes not a means for us to rescue ourselves, but doing good, as Peter points out here, becomes a reaction, a response in gratitude to being saved by Jesus. Jesus is our Messiah. He has come to rescue us from sin. He has come to rescue us not from suffering, but from sin. He has come to rescue us from sin and not from persecution that we will face for his name. But he has come to rescue us from sin. But when we face these fiery ordeals, as Peter puts it, we do so now with a different perspective. You see, our attitude in these sufferings should not be one of surprise or even resentment towards the people who are causing harm to us. But rather, our response should be gratitude that our judge is God, and our response should be trusting in him. And our response 
should be to forgive others. I, I think often about what Jesus said on the cross. As he's hanging there, he says, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I think about Stephen, as he is being stoned to death for the name of Jesus, he cries out and asks for forgiveness for those who were killing him. Friends, in the midst of these fiery ordeals, our perspective needs to change. We should see them and rejoice in suffering because we know who our judge is. We should see them as blessings and they should push us to gratitude to God and trusting in God and forgiveness towards others. Now, if our goal in doing good is to try to earn our salvation or try to repay our salvation, then when we begin to suffer for doing good, we're going to start throwing in the towel, right? Because we're not going to see the results that we think should be there. If we are trying to earn our salvation when we face suffering, even for doing what is right, then we will quickly give up on doing good. But on the other hand, if we see our good works as a response to what Jesus has done for us and through us as, his, as our Messiah, and if we see it as us trusting in God, not in our circumstances and not in our current suffering, our perspective changes. And we are able to take Peter's words to heart. And even in the face of suffering and fire, we can rejoice. Because we aren't rejoicing in our circumstances. We aren't rejoicing in our own ability. We are rejoicing in God even in the face of suffering. We thank him, and we consider it pure joy, as James tells us. Listen to what James says in James chapter 1, verse 2. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Suffering, persecution, fiery ordeals are testing of our faith. Not that God causes these sufferings or these tests, but God uses them. You read the rest of chapter 1 of James and he'll tell you that. Right? God doesn't cause these sufferings, but he uses them to produce perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that when all is said and done, when, when perseverance has finished its work on us, we will be lacking nothing. Now, it won't be easy. It will hurt. But the end results are worth the pain. So, consider it pure joy when you face, face trials of many kinds. Rejoice in the face of suffering. In the face of the fire, you are blessed in your sufferings, knowing that our judge and our judgment is done by the one who is just, God and God alone. And that our advocate, 
Jesus stands in our place. So do not be ashamed, but give glory to God even in the face of suffering for his name. And remember that he is the judge. And then finally, Peter tells us to make sure that our trust is not in ourselves, it is not in our circumstances, but our trust is in our judge and our faithful creator and to keep on keeping on. Look at verse 19. Peter closes out this chapter. And he says, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Commit yourselves to our faithful creator and continue to do good. Keep on keeping on. Doing good even in the face of fire. Doing good even in the face of suffering. Doing good even in the face of being mistreated. Because we are doing good not to somehow get away from suffering, but we are doing good simply in response to Jesus saving us. And when we do good, even in the face of suffering, we will bring fresh love and fresh kindness and fresh wisdom in our workplaces and in our homes and in our community and in our church and to the people who are around us. When we continue to do good, even though we are mistreated for it, and even though we suffer because of it, when we continue to do that, we are saying, not not look at me and what I can endure, but we are saying, look at the one who has rescued us and saved us for all eternity. We are saying to God, I trust in you. And my trust is fully in you. This is what you have called me to do. So I will continue to do good in my life, even if it means that I have to suffer to do it. Even if I'm facing persecution for it, I will continue to be the sort of person that you have called me to be. My life will continue to give you glory no matter what. Here at Journey Church, we say that we want to live lives that are pleasing to God. And that means that every day we are giving God the best of everything that we are and everything that we have. Now, we don't have this in our value statement, but we mean that even in the face of suffering. Every single day, we continue to give the best of everything we are and everything we have to God, even if we have to suffer to do so. Because we trust Not in our circumstances. We trust not in our own abilities, but we trust in Jesus. We trust that he is all that we need because he is transforming us by what he has done, even if we have to suffer for his name. Friends, Jesus promised us that if he suffered, then we should not expect anything different. And so, if we are going to learn to face suffering, we must learn to rejoice in them. We must remember 
that God is our judge. And we must learn to trust him and him alone. Friends, I, I don't know where you are in your life right now. I don't know what you are going through. I, I don't know what you are facing. I, I know that I had a conversation with somebody this past week who has suffered quite a bit over the last couple of years. And I was pretty amazed when they said, you know, what I try to do is I try to start making a blessing list. Because <laughs> it's easy to get distracted by all the suffering and the pain that they're going through. And so they try to start to be thankful for things, even in the midst of all of that pain. So I don't know about you, maybe you are going through some suffering and some pain right now. Maybe, maybe you're even being mistreated for the name of Jesus. I want to ask you to begin to ask God to help give you a different perspective. To help see those sufferings and those trials as blessings. Ask God to help you to, to have a different perspective on your suffering and your persecution and your pain. To give you profound joy and peace even in the midst of them. Ask God to help remind you that you share in the suffering that Jesus suffered through. But maybe, maybe you've just been struggling to trust God. Maybe in whatever it is you're facing and going through, maybe you've been just struggling to trust in our faithful creator and continue to do good. You know, when the early church started facing persecution, Peter and John came and reported to them, hey, we've been threatened, we've been arrested, we've been beaten, you know, all these things. They immediately go to God in prayer and they say, God, consider their threats and give your servants boldness to continue to proclaim your message anyway. I ask that you would ask God to give you boldness and to help you to trust in him in every part of your life. What are some practical ways that we can show that we trust God this week in our families, at work, school, and the places that we will be? How can we show our trust in God by continuing to do good even if we suffer for it? But friends, maybe you're here and you've been trying to earn your salvation. Maybe you've been just trying to do good to, to maybe get God's grace. If I just do enough, maybe I can, I can just get God's grace, but you keep falling short. Friends, I want you to know that God loves you so much. And he knows you and I better than we know ourselves. And he knows that there is no way that we could do enough good to outweigh the bad that we've done. There's no way that we can do enough good to earn or even pay back our salvation. But God has already paid the price for you through his son, Jesus Christ. So won't you come today and be transformed by God's grace and his mercy. Won't you come today and allow God to transform not only your hope and your perspective and your life, but your eternity today? Won't you come and 
Allow him to transform you and start to do good, not to try to earn his salvation, but to respond to his salvation. Won't you come and repent of your sins and meet Jesus in baptism today? I'm going to head out lobby in just a minute. And if that's you, man, I would love to talk with you today. But as we close out, I want to, I want to leave us with Paul's encouragement that we find in Romans chapter 8. Paul reminds us of all that God has done for us and all that God will do for us, even in the face of suffering. He says this in Romans 8, verse 26. He says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, even suffering. I added that in. He works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all, who, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charges against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you that even through suffering, we know that we are more than conquerors because your Spirit intercedes for our prayers and your Son intercedes for us on our behalf. And even if we suffer and face death all day long, nothing can separate us from your love that you have shown to us through your Son, Jesus. Father, those who are weary this morning, would you strengthen? Those who are doubting this morning, would you draw to yourself? Those who are discouraged, would you encourage? 
Those who are weak, will you make strong this morning? Those who are far from you, will you draw to your feet today? They may be saved. Those that face suffering and persecution and mistreatment for your name, would you give them boldness? Would you help change their perspective? Would you give them your peace that transcends all understanding? Would you draw them to their knees in prayer? To you. Father, help us not to be surprised if we suffer for doing good. Remind us that those who are persecuting us or mistreating us are not our judge, but you are. And your son intercedes on our behalf and stands in our place. Help us to trust in you and you alone. Father, help us to keep on keeping on. Help us to continue to do good, even if we suffer for it. Father, we thank you for the constant reminders that you give us of your other people who encourage us, who correct us, who hold us accountable, who help carry us, who walk side side by side with us through this messy thing called life. We thank you for this reminder of communion, that when we gather together, we can remember the sacrifice that your son Jesus has made for us. So Father, help us to use this time and be reminded that we are more than conquerors, not because of our own strength or our own ability or that that somehow we can become something that we're not, but we are more than conquerors because of your son, Jesus. Because it is by his righteousness that we have been made righteous. It's by his sacrifice that we have been forgiven. So Father, thank you for reminding us of our need for you and for providing for that need. And Father, we ask all of this in your precious Son, Jesus' name. Amen.